Hello, this is episode three of Liliana's Romance Library. Hi, I'm Liliana, and today we're going to be going over the first book in one of my all-time favorite series written by Christine Fahan. This is the Dark Carpathian novels, and the first book we're going to be going over is The Dark Prince. Now, this is not the first book that I read in this series. Of course, um, I was at Walmart looking through their book section and I think I found like book seven or something like that. I'll let you know in later episodes when we actually get to that book. And it just sounded really good and so I picked it up. I thought it was really wonderful, fell in love with the idea, fell in love with the story, let my mom and my sister borrow it, which I had to actually mail it from um, the United States in the South to out to California where they live, because I live in a different state, and they loved it. And, but unfortunately, they never sent it back, so I had to buy another copy. It's a running joke in the family now. But the first book we're going to go off of today is, as I said, Dark Prince. Um, this is the first book of the Dark Carpathian novels. And um, if you know anything about the um, name Carpathian, then you know that there are is a mountain range in the Transylvania area of Romania called the Carpathian Mountains. And these Carpathians are not vampires. They do drink blood, but Carpathians are a different, basically, species. Um, they live for hundreds of years if given the ability, if they don't get seriously injured uh, even seriously injuries they can heal from they're definitely paranormal they are special they can transform into animals into mist um they are beautiful and strong and passionate they they care about their loved ones and they protect each other it's a absolutely wonderful um, series to read and their spinoffs are just as good. They're, um, they're offshoots that tie into it and it's, it's definitely something that you want to read the next book and the next book and the next book if, um, you like these type of stories. And I do, I'm passionate about them so I can't put them down and then I have to read the next one and keep on going. And that's why I just absolutely love the series, why I have to have the next book as soon as it comes out. I'm a little behind right now on the newest ones, but to be fair, we're in the 20-something volumes that are out right now in this series. So we have a lot of stuff to cover before we even get to this newest ones that I'm behind on. And I'm only behind on like three or four, so it's not that big a deal. Life happens. And, you know, when life happens and you're short on funds, you just reread what you already have. I have a humongous library and I refuse to get rid of my favorite books because I will reread them for, you know, these particular instances or just because I miss the story. I miss the characters. They feel like family and friends and I want to spend the time with them and read their stories and feel like I'm a part of it. And with these Carpathians, one thing you need to understand is they're not evil. They can do um, a little bit of mind control, 
Um, they do have very strong psychic abilities, but they are, as I said, they're not evil. Where vampires actually come from are male Carpathians who do not find their mate. Just like with a lot of these stories, there is one perfect mate out there for them. They are the light to the male's darkness. And after the males have lived for so many years, their color vision goes away. Their emotions go away. Um, it's really hard to survive. They need that light. They need their mate to help them keep going, to help them have a reason to keep going. And that's the wonderful thing about them is that they're so passionate and they're so protective, but in doing so, they can be a little old fashioned and they get worked on with that. It, it changes. Again, this is another instance of strong women that go, uh-uh, I understand you want to protect me, and I understand this is more your area of expertise, so I will um, defer to you on that, but you're not going to control me 24-7. I'm not a porcelain doll. You're not going to put me in a little box and just look at me and protect me from everything. You can't protect me from everything absolutely everything and sometimes I may have to protect you whether you like it or not and that's something that really bothers these Carpathian men but in a lot of ways they have to learn to deal with it and in the later books you start to see that development you start to see the changes that the whole community uh, goes through at this point in the Dark Prince, there's very few Carpathians left in the world. Um, most of them are men because for some reason the women are not, the women that are still alive are not able to produce female children. And through vampire hunts throughout the years, Carpathians were mistaken for vampires because Let's grant it, or let's just admit everything. Carpathians have very big similarities to vampires. And the reason for that, as I said before, is the male Carpathians. When they do not, when they lose hope, when they do not feel like they're ever going to find their mate, um, they have two choices. They can greet the dawn and basically let the sun kill them because... As we all know from Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, Bela Lugosi's Dracula, all of those. The sun burns them, they turn to dust, and that's the end of them. Same thing happens with these Carpathians. The sun burns them, it is very dangerous, um, and only a crazy Carpathian would do so unless he has absolutely no hope whatsoever. And that's the honorable way to go out, to take yourself out of the equation, to prevent yourself from becoming an absolute, true, horrific monster, which is what they will become if they do the coward's way out and kill the person that they are drinking the blood from. If they kill the person while they're doing so, they become vampires. They become horribly grotesque. 
um, their skin will pull away from their teeth and they start to look like corpses over time and they have to use glamours to disguise themselves because it's so bad and it it's frightening if they if you're bitten by them their their bites are acidic it's toxic and if they make you drink their blood it will literally feel like you're burning like you're gonna die so the whole bram stoker's dracula where it's an exchange of blood and then you become a you die and you become a vampire that doesn't happen here they try it trust me they try it carpathians have tried turning human women to see if maybe they can become Carpathian to, you know, maybe produce female children to be their mates. Vampires have tried it. All have failed. And that's kind of where this story picks up. Um, with Dark Prince, it starts off with the king or prince of the Carpathians, the leader of the entire, you know, group of people, the, the person that they look to for everything. And I'm probably going to mess up these names. I do deeply apologize for that, but these are the names that I hear in my head when I read them. This is what I think they're, how they're pronounced. Um, later books actually have pronunciations for some words, especially, um, I'm not sure if they're Romanian words or, Car I think they're Carpathian words specifically. I think they're a very ancient tongue. Um, but the main characters in this book is Mikhail Dabrisky. And he is mentally basically projecting his anguish and his desperation and he doesn't mean to but he is just giving up hope he is so heartbroken he doesn't feel like he can go on he has so much weight on his shoulders from having to take care of his people to make all these hard decisions about what they should do whether they should travel away from their home and go to other countries or if they should stay here uh, what to do about their the women who are not producing female children or, or you know going missing or dying and things like this um, the Carpathian men who are losing hope younger and younger and are not choosing to greet their death with honor and but are choosing to become vampires as an easier way out and he is desperate to find a solution for his people he is just in anguish and someone else reaches out to him and that someone else is named raven now, you may have to give me just a second to find her name, of course, as soon as, last name, I mean, as soon as I um, start talking about her, her last name just flies right out of my head. And it's not something that you're going to, you know, turn to any page and it's going to say exactly her full name. It's not like reading Korean or Japanese manga or anything like that. Um, so, of course, you've got 
the name Raven. And I found easily where he gives her his name. But for some reason, I'm trying to find her name. It should be right here because he... This is where they introduce themselves. However, um, when it comes to instructions, usually it's reciprocal. And I'm not seeing it there. Just give me just a moment. Anyway, while I'm looking at this, I am going to let you know that Raven is not Carpathian. She should not be able to speak to Mikhail telepathically. But his telepathic spillage basically is what she was getting. His desperation, his certainty that he was going to commit suicide. And she just could not stand that. She could not hear that. And with her basically powers... And not do something about it. Uh, Whitney. There it is. Raven Whitney. So she reaches out to him and lets him know that there's always hope. There's someone out there. She tries to talk him down off that ledge. And she does. And then it, as soon as he realizes that someone's talking to him, he throws a barrier up. He's like, wait a minute. Someone shouldn't be able to talk to me like that. What's going on? And... Then he lets it down and starts talking to her back telepathically to see what's going on. Because he is deep in the Carpathian Mountains in his home, in his library. He's not where she is. She's actually on the outside of the forest at the base of, Car of the Carpathian Mountains, um, close to his home. But, you know, it's still miles away um, up the mountain is where he is. She's in an inn in a little town. And... She's just couldn't sleep. Her migraine is going 90 to nothing. What Raven does for a living is she catches murderers. She can, with her telepathic ability, she can hear their thoughts. The closer she gets, the um, more she can hear them, the more she can predict what's going to happen um, by listening in on their thoughts. And she helps the police catch these crazy people. And the crazy, demonic, horrible minds of these psychopaths give her migraines and strains her so much that she has to go on vacation and relax and go someplace where nobody knows her from all the news and um newspapers and television and everything so she doesn't have to get a lot of questions because of her abilities she can't touch anyone if she touches them or they touch her she can't block out their thoughts and their feelings and it's very painful she learned that very on as a child that she cannot stand their touch um, she learned to put up barriers. She learned to take care of herself and she found a way to use what she thought at first was a curse as a blessing for others and help save people's lives. Unfortunately, she, you know, learned too late to save someone very dear to her, but that's how she got started. Um, they talk, he tries to be 
a little overbearing, which for, um, I don't know how many hundreds year old prints, that's normal. Men back in the day, that's the way they were. Men said this and women did what they were supposed to. Women were supposed to wear long dresses and long skirts and not pants. And, um, basically he ends up pissing her off (laughs) pretty quickly. Um, he tries to command her to go to sleep because she's so tired and her he knows that her migraine is killing her. So, um, she basically yells at him to stop that and, you know, puts up a barrier, blocks everything out. And then after a little bit, she tosses and she turns and in her bed, she can't go to sleep and she drops the barrier down again and she... He apologizes for it, but she's like, look, don't command me. Don't try to make me do something. I'm not going to put up with it. You're not going to control me. You don't own me. And this whole time, Mikhail is having this conversation with Raven. He's getting emotions back. He didn't know he had. He's feeling joy. He's feeling sadness. He's feeling fear. He's feeling all these things that he hasn't felt in hundreds of years. Um, He still hasn't got his color vision back yet. However, he is getting enough to freak him out a little bit because uh, Carpathian men are not supposed to be mated to humans. And he can tell that she is a human. Um, it, it's not supposed to be done. It, humans who are turned get, go insane. They become um, raving lunatics, basically the female version of vampires. They kill children. They massacre. They'll kill their own, own child or their own family member without thinking anything of it, and they go insane. So he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know exactly what to do, but he's, at this point, he's so desperate and he is fascinated so he takes that step he transforms into a bird i think um it's a bird of prey i don't know if it's an owl which carpathians like turning into owls which i love owls so that's awesome um i think it's like a falcon or a hawk or something and he flies down to the end and sits on the banister outside her window um there's like a little balcony and he sees her you know moving around and then she lays down tossing and turning and he, you know eventually they say good night and go to sleep and once she starts going to sleep he does just a little bit of a push just lightly enough where she doesn't notice and helps her go further into sleep to try and keep her down for as long as he's going to be down and then he goes home and goes to sleep and of course they sleep at night uh, during the day and are up at night because of the sun. So she gets woken up around dinner time. <laughs> She's still tired. She feels drugged. She can't seem to pull herself out of it completely. But someone's knocking on her door. It, it's very frustrating for her. And so, you know, eventually she figures out he does it. <sighs> anyway, um, when it comes to these books, there's ups, there's downs. This is right before a brand new vampire hunt starts and they lose even more people. Um, this kind of starts ahead of that. Um, and their next books in the series really 
follow along and show you what's going on, the de their desperation and what they're feeling, how they're dealing with things. So it's definitely something that if you're interested, definitely check it out. It, they're wonderful books to read. Now I'm going to read the back of this book. Hopefully um, I will not get demonetized or um, hopefully Christina Fahan um, or the publishing company Leisure Books will get upset over me reading this, but I'm going to read it to you. They were masters of the darkness, searching through eternity for a mistress of the light. Prince of the night. He came to her in the night, a predator. Strength and power chiseled into his features. The seduction was deep and elemental. He affected her soul. His need, his darkness, his terrible, haunting loneliness. His sense... Yeah, sorry. Her senses aroused. She craved the dangerous force of his body burning for him and he had only touched her with his mind lady of the light she came to him at dawn his bleakest hour as the beast raged inside him threatening to consume him he vented his century-old despair in an anguished cry that filled the waning night and she answered a ray of light piercing his darkness, a beautiful angel, her compassion, courage, and innocence awakened in him an exquisite longing and tenderness. He knew he must possess her, for only she could tame his savage side and lift the dark shadow from his soul. Apart they were desolate, bereft, intertwined physically and Spiritually, they could heal one another and experience an eternity of nights filled with love. Dark Prince. Now, after reading all this, keep in mind, this is a romance novel. Boy's going to get girl. Does she become a Carpathian? Does he turn her? Well, by reading the back of this, by knowing what he is, you can tell by saying experiencing an eternity of nights filled with love that he does that it, or at least that there's a possibility of it so when it comes to the dark prince there's going to be trials there's going to be triumphs there's going to be hatred and jealousy there's going to be children affected there's going to be people all over the world affected by what's going to happen raven has absolutely no carpathian blood in her so there's absolutely no reason for him to think that she will survive the transformation but at one point it comes down to either he tries or he accepts the fact that she's going to die and he will have to take his own life at this point, his second-in-command and his best friend for his entire life, Gregory, steps up and says, Oh, no, you're not. You're going to save her. We will do so one way or another, but we are not losing you. I am not going to take over these people because if something happens to him, he Gregory has to step up as prince, and he refuses. He says, No, I am a healer. I am a enforcer, but I am not a leader. I can lead, 
but I will not lead these, our, our entire people. You are the leader. You are the one that keeps us together. I am the boogeyman that scares the children and adults alike. So between the two of them, they are able to save her and come to find out. Spoiler alert. Big spoiler alert. If you don't want to listen to this part, skip ahead by about, oh, I'd say 30 seconds. But anyway, I'll make it as quickly as possible. Because she is the psychic, because she has those mental capabilities, she was able to be transformed. Only human women or humans in general, that have those psychic abilities, or that have Carpathian blood in them, or some other supernatural blood in them, like um, wares, or people who can transform into animals. Not necessarily cursed, but born that way. Um, they can be as well. So, definitely something to consider. Um, this is definitely more of a length of my podcast that I'm wanting them to be. Remember, these books are one of my all-time favorite series. I absolutely love Christina Fahan. Um, she's a New York Times best-selling author. And if you get the old version, older version like I have, that this one is copyrighted 1999. But it does say April 2005 in here as well. Um, it does come with a special bonus short story, which is Dark Descent. Now, Dark Descent, as much as Dark Prince is book one, Dark Descent is book 11. So keep that in mind. It does eventually get its own official book. But if you buy it, with the Dark Descent special bonus short story in the back, you get the whole story. You don't have to buy the Dark Descent. Some of the books are in anthologies, so you have to really pay attention, look for the stories. You may have to buy a book that has three or four stories in it, and you're only wanting it for that one story. The other books, or the other stories in that book, are great, too. They are. It's a perfect combination, but I only bought it for that one book. Um, the others were bonuses. I think they had three books total in one of them. So I got two bo books for the price of one, basically. Two extras. Again, Christine Fahan, um, Dark Prince, 10 out of 10. Would definitely recommend, especially if you're into the paranormal, Faded Mates, um, transformations and peril and scariness and... Um, trust me, at one point you even get dragons that nobody thinks are still around. And that's way, 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 way down in the series. Um, you get Carpathian men who create sanctuaries for wild wolves um, in other countries who hang on for centuries for their women, for their mate to be born or to be found and um, continue to hang on. And they find different ways to do so. A lot of times it's good ways. They support one particular family um, follow, who follows them through the ages. They do all sorts of different things. So 
It's very fun to read, very fun to listen to. Um, keep in mind the next book after Dark Prince is um, Gregory's Story. You do not want to miss that. Big old bad scary boogeyman finds his match and has to watch her from birth. Uh, even before birth, he he knows her. And it's very scary for him because he doesn't feel worthy. So he has to come to terms with his, with the fact that he is worthy and that he is not damned. He has not gone too far with some of his experiments to try and save his people. And she has to come to the terms with the fact that she's still very young. And she wants her independence. She wants her freedom. But because of his longtime suffering, she can't always get that. He tries not to hold on too tightly and keep the reins too tight. But he can't always let go. So, little teaser for the next one. Remember to follow me on my Twitter at Liliana's Library. And I have Facebook. Liliana's Romance Library is on there. I've got a group and a page on Facebook. Um, like, share, comment, follow. Um, you can find me on Liliana's Romance Library on Patreon if you want to join a discussion on there or follow me and support me on there. Definitely would appreciate it, recommend. But, you know, my whole thing is to create a community. So let's discuss these books. Let me see. Let me know if you've read them. Let me know if you like them. I know people who have read them. I've recommended them to that did not like them, which is very odd because we like a lot of the same books. And then other people who thought, oh, no, that doesn't sound like me. I read Regency um, romance novels or stuff like that. And then they pick it up and they're engrossed. They're like, oh, my God, can I borrow the next one? So I end up being a library for a lot of my friends and family. Um, but remember, I'm here. Let's discuss this. Let's have fun. And I can't wait to speak to you guys again on next week's Liliana's Romance Library. Again, my name is Liliana. It's a pleasure. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys.